Hello, welcome to another episode of The Work Podcast. I'm John Sumser, and my, I'm here with my co-host, Gina Kelly, um, and we're going to be talking today with Kyle Jackson. Kyle is um, the CEO of a company called Tailspin that does um, a variety of, he calls it XR, um, a variety of virtual and augmented reality tools to do training and helping deploy skills uh, to people in the workforce. He comes to this. It's really, it's really amazing. He went to USC and has a cinema degree, and he went to work in Hollywood in the studios, moved into technology with a storage company. So it's media, media, storage, that company. And then from storage tech company, he emerges in this VR space. It's a tremendous career. Did I get that right, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of nuance to the details there, but yeah. Generally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you can fill me in. So, how are you? Good. I'm good. Good to be here. Um, so, so you're running you're running a, a an XR company. Um, it's early going for that sort of thing. What's it like on the front lines? Um, it's been uh, well. So we're about six years into this. So uh, you know, started it around the idea that um, could see several trends going on in, in, you know, both uh, technology and um, just generally like more of the macro picture of, of workforce trends back in 2012, 2013, and, and started to kind of get really uneasy about the fact that our systems that we had um, for education and, 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 um, and employment were, were kind of not fit for purpose for how fast things were going to move. And we needed to rethink some of that um, because of my media background and my technology background from the entertainment sector, I got pulled in really early to this kind of XR space. Um, when a lot of venture funding started flowing into it in like 2013, 2014, on the back of when um, uh, Facebook now Meta bought uh, Oculus, and um, and so uh, it started as a curiosity, like this is kind of interesting. Let's you know what 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 what's going on here um, with this new technology and this new medium. And it turned into, uh, I think there might actually be a real meaningful solution behind um, just the, just the scale of the problem that we have when it comes to this, this, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, the pace of change and reskilling that needs to happen now to further workforce to keep up. And so by 2014, 2015 um, really, became a, uh, went from a curiosity and a concern to like, I think there's something here. And um, we started working on a lot of the, the challenging problems. And, and because um, because it was such a nascent uh, space, a lot of those problems looked very similar to the, the things I had I had dealt with previously in, um, in, in other mediums where we were introducing uh, a new content medium and you, you know, none of the plumbing was in place and none of the... Um, uh, uh, content uh, workflows were in place. None of the standards were in place. None of the business models were in place. It was like, it was very, it felt, um, back, it felt I mean, it's, it's completely wild west, but it, it you know, felt very comfortable. I could see, I could see the problems that were ahead. And I knew it was, it was probably a, you know, five to, to 10 year um, challenge from, from that point of view to kind of get to where we're at now. And, and that's about how it's played out. It's, um, you know, there's, uh, uh, we went through, 
a, a huge hype cycle in 2014 after that acquisition, where there was just all sorts of crazy chaos going on in this field that made no sense um, when you actually had uh, the kind of my background. I was like, people are off, off their, they're off their rocker by uh, by five to seven years on this thing. It's, it's just not going to happen that fast. There's so many things that they need to get in place. And so it went through that hype cycle it into, into a dip where, um, of course, when lots of money gets pumped into something and it doesn't happen as soon as, it, as people expected, you know, it cools. And, uh, and, and VR specifically has kind of had that storied past for, you know, what, 20, 25 years. Uh, it's a challenging, challenging thing to kind of bring to fruition because of, because of the hardware and because of all the, the different interdependencies. And so, um, uh, but the efficacy of what you could do with this technology was becoming more and more clear. And so, as I think usually is the case, it's like once you can actually start to really prove, you know, business ROI, it's people start to get really interested. And so by, I would say by 2018, 2019, a lot of that stuff was starting to become um, published. And, um, and at that point, it seems like a lot of the, um, the corporate venture and a lot of the other groups that had invested previously started to, to peak up. Um, and then, um, and then, you know, this last, this last two years has really been uh, completely accelerated because of what's gone on with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, people going completely remote and, and then obviously the, uh, just the massive transition the workforce has, has taken in terms of um, this last 24 months is only, um, supported kind of the underlying reasons as to why this this whole category makes some sense so um, now it's um uh, you know I, I mean for several years it was it was educating people just like what it is and what can what can you do with this technology and why you know i have all this other technology in my life why this um and then and then more recently it's certainly become um i think more apparent to people um as to uh, as to the why and then they and then they start to focus on the on the how and so we're now in the now we're in the, the scaling piece of okay, this is if you're really gonna put this as a solution in behind some of these problems, the scale is gigantic. You need to rethink content and and um, some of the infrastructure at a large scale. And so now we're we're in that phase, uh, which is a different set of challenges. It's, it's quite it's quite it's quite um, challenging, but it's it's enjoyable. You know, the whole time it's 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 very interesting to to see it go through these cycles. So uh, now I'd say we're in the the final, the final phases where it starts to become more, more commonplace. Interesting. Um, you're, you're talking about a world in which the shiny object that people see, the, the demo tool that you make, is actually the least significant part of the work that you do. Um, and as you get deeper into the scaling question, um, that's going to be even more so, that, that the that the shiny object output um, will be proportionally smaller than what you have to do to build the infrastructure inside of the industry. How do, how do you navigate that? Because that's not a story that a VC really wants to hear. It's certainly not a story that a, a corporate client wants to hear. Um, and at the same time, you've got to birth this company um, and, solve those things while you're bringing revenue in the door. That's, that's a crazy challenge. Tell me about it. Yeah. Oh man, where to start on it. Um, well, first I think, uh, you know, specific to, to, to what we're doing, there's, 
you know, there's, it's also this collision of, of uh, a content ecosystem, the underlying, you know, plumbing to, to make, you know, skill measurement and some of those other things uh, come to light, which looks a lot more like a traditional tech platform. Right. And then, and then, you know, we're, we're selling into the enterprise market. So those, those three things have extremely different forces that, that push against you. Uh, and when you put them on top of each other, it's, it's, you know, you really have to kind of find ways to like incrementally move through it and, and create milestones that you can, you can show to the external funding community. And also I think, um, you know, paint a vision that it, it that is different than all this stuff on the surface, because there's a lot of people who can kind of eventually come in and say, well, I've got some good use cases and, you know, here's what I'm doing and here's my, here's my logos. And, and so for, for VCs and the, the supporters, I think what's helped us to navigate all of that is to, you know, we've, you know, we're now, what, like I said, six years and, and, and there's kind of this single central unifying thing that we've been doing around how we integrate skills and, and the idea of skills mobility into our, our strategy that it kind of clicks a light bulb on for some people um, where they go, oh, okay, there's actually a way to organize this whole thing the way they're doing it. And when I say this whole thing, I think, you know, at YouTube scale or at another content ecosystem scale, how does it all make sense, you know, one day? And, and, uh, and so I think that's helped us. Um, it's, it still doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it easy. Um, but the, uh, uh, the content ecosystem piece is, is quite hard to, to kind of, to kind of birth, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's not a, you know, to get creators to, to all kind of create content in a direction that solves a macro problem aligned with standards that unify that and, and, you know, thinking about where content goes and, you know, cause we're also in the middle of the hardware changing underneath our feet, you know, um, you know, literally every year. So it's, um, uh, that, that force is, 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 I think scares a lot of people off, um, of course, the enterprise SaaS uh, force is just uh, slow and and quite known and challenging. And then the the platform piece in the middle is um, is something that most people are comfortable with. Uh, but when you have these other inter- interdependencies, you know, a lot of people can can get very uncomfortable with it. So we just found kind of like a, a unifying factor between all those that seems to to um, make it simpler for people to understand and make it more tangible for people to see you know, where it goes in 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. And, but then we, but then the way we position to the market is always different than that because there's chapters, you know, that we need to, um, you know, as the market's educating themselves and they're looking at tangible use cases and business ROI, um, we've always had to translate what we're doing into something that they can kind of think of more short-term about and more quick about because the dollars that they're looking to spend aren't, usually on a, that kind of three to five year time horizon, right? They're looking at the spend something that they can want to, you know, get the results out of in a year or, or less. So it's a constant, um, it's actually quite challenging internally because, you know, we always have to debate with ourselves about, well, what's the chapter of the story we tell next and what's the result we need to get out of it. And meanwhile, underneath, you know, there's all this other work that's going around about, okay, well, how do you design an ecosystem like this? You know, who are the parties? What are their connections? What do they need from each other? When are, what are their independencies? You know, and you just, so it's, it's um, I, I always tell the team inside, like um, we're, uh, it's the major leagues of, of building a startup, you know, 
what we're trying to do because there's a lot simpler things you could do. But we also think the uh, the impacts it can make are, are worth it. So we keep charging ahead. I'm I'm just curious. I have a quick question for you, Kyle. Wh- who? What is your ideal client profile? So so you know, as you have all these plates spinning at all all these given moments, and knowing how difficult selling into the enterprise is, what's your what's your ICP? We um so we've we focused on on you know basically the largest employers mm-hmm. um you know um and and that that worked initially because we we had to uh you know we wanted to get multiple uh, proof points inside of a single organization so that they could look at it more as um, less of a like a point solution for for kind of one group and look start to look at it as a more horizontal solution for the organization and so you know groups um you know farmers insurance was was one that's been very uh, public for a very long time and they uh you know they, they had that dynamic and that that seemed to help um because once you get one success you know they almost become your sales force for you inside of the uh, organization because mm-hmm. they're so excited about the results and so that that helped a lot now um you know more recently we've been focusing a lot more on on groups that can be both large internal consumers and external proponents so that's that's um you know groups like accenture uh and the large consulting groups they they, they have they have both sides mm-hmm. and so and, and they also help quite a bit to to work through kind of the um organization of of, of something like this in terms of an ecosystem because they, they can you know they become such a force multiplier in um in different directions so so now so now that with that with that transition to kind of the the these this this dual um faceted um you know customer and partner role um now we have the bandwidth that we can actually start to address a lot more potential customers so now we could you know middle market companies you know we you know because it wasn't that it was so expensive that it couldn't have been a fit for smaller companies it was just our bandwidth to deal with parties you know we didn't have enough didn't have enough players on the field <laughs> you know um, and so now with where we're at now with this kind of dual relationship, it's going a lot, lot wide, wider, a lot more global, a lot more, you know, from the fortune 100 to the middle market starts to kind of decentralize. So, but that's even those chapters we've had to, you know, we've had to very, be very intentional about trying to plan those out. So that makes your bets on infrastructure pretty risky, right? When you, when you decide you're going to go in a direction you're now cemented into a complex web of relationships that means you better be right. Um, yeah. How do you make sure you're right? Uh, well, I think there's, so the web is, the web is, you know, um, obviously end customers, um, you know, kind of resellers um, and solutions providers, um, and then, and then kind of content, uh, creators, publishers, and, and, you know, those are the kind of the three big stools. And then of course they break down into different sizes inside the market. So we, um, we, we have, you know, teams that are responsible for, for each of those relationships. And we talk constantly about how they benefit each other, you know? So, so in my, in like our town halls and stuff, I'm always putting up a graphic that says there's the three big con- constituencies that really need to all find benefit in this. And of course the learner. At the end of the day, we always, you know, we have to make sure that the, the actual learner experience is, is really what we're trying to drive at. And, but these are the parties that help to enable that. How do we, 
keep their incentives aligned? Um, how do we uh, build relationships that were um, that are uh, meaningful with each of them? Because then you know, then they're willing to kind of weather the storm with you a bit. And so um, I had a little bit of experience with that when um, in one of the, the you know actually quite a bit of experience, but in a very different context. Um, I was uh, you know at the at the when I was working at um, at Apple in in two thousand one two thousand two. Um, you know, we're just bringing Final Cut to to the uh, world, you know, which is a video editing tool. And um, in that day and age, like vi digital video editing wasn't um, nearly as prominent as it's become. So there was just a tremendous amount of education between kind of the the macro views of, of entertainment, you know, studios and, and, and that that constituency. And then there was the actual editors, which was the creators. And then there was all the inter intermediaries that needed to better understand the technology and stuff. And um, I, I mean, I, I didn't form any of the structures and I was just, you know, it was just helping Apple to, to bring it to market. And it was, it was amazing to watch. Um, and so I learned a lot about how to create like really meaningful um, relationships um, when you're putting something into the world that just doesn't work yet. Um, and, and people actually will be willing to go along with you on the ride. Um, and so you have to kind of ingrain that, like, like we're in this together kind of, um, you have to find parties that are willing to, to, to commit to that. And, and not all of them are. I mean, we, we certainly have had customers where they're more of your traditional, like, I need a solution. I need something that works now. And I don't have patience for anything to not be what I want. And it's like, mm, okay, that's going to be a bumpy, bumpy ride for us <laughs> right now because, <laughs> you know, that's not where we're at in this thing. So, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's the best uh, best way, you know, you can kind of figure out how to like, you know, be agile and navigate those those relationships because because and, and there's certainly they're going to continue to change. Um, and, and, and we we definitely know that we don't know how they're going to change. Um, so we try to just, you know, be as authentic as we can and, and try to try to predict um, a little bit of, of of how that will play out. Um, and if we start to see that the interests are, aren't as aligned as we as we you know thought. Um, you know, get out in front of it. But none of this stuff is moving so fast yet that like all of a sudden you get caught flat-footed, you know, where, where you, you've just not really protected the interests or not been able to have those discussions. So I'm, I'm watching the skills, I'm going to call it the skills yeah. market because, yeah. because there's so many different players and so many different stories. And the thing that is astonishing to me is that there can be that many players with that many different definitions of skills. And so this morning I was talking with somebody who proudly told me that their system addresses a million different skills. Um, and the, up until that point, the taxonomy that I'd seen that was the most comprehensive had deep information on 17,000. But there's all sorts of variation in how those things are structured. And that's that's the mess that you're shipping into, right? Yes. Because because everybody who's a buyer will have some sort of a taxonomy um, and each incremental module will fit into that that somehow. How do you make sense out of all that? Uh, well, first you got to put it on a time horizon to when it's really going to make a big difference, it, you know, especially with us. Right. So I think some of those platforms and the problems are trying to solve, um, they're in the eye of the storm right now with what they're dealing with. 
but we've got a little bit of, of time on it because there's such a massive um, content ecosystem dependency before there's, there's a mass of things that you want to hook up to those taxonomies, right? So one of the ways that we did it initially was we said, well, let's pick a part of, of, of that overall skill ecosystem or skill, you know, um, uh, landscape. And let's be focused on that. And let's let's prove out a lot of the models and a lot of the interdependencies and a lot of the score, the scoring, the technology, everything. So for us, that was part of why we, we started with kind of focusing more on the soft skills side of this whole content, um, you know, landscape. Um, because that, you, you know, there's a there's a smaller model that you can kind of contain and get consensus around there. Um, then if you take on the whole market of digital skills and, and, and hard skills and, 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 so, um, that's helped to kind of like wait a bit on some of the noise because, um, it feels, it, it feels a little bit like, um, when one of those prior companies, um, when we were, we, you know, the early, uh, OTT days where, you know, Netflix was moving from, uh, a DVD business to an online business and then everybody else was chasing them. I was right in the middle of those standards and those discussions and like, how do we stream video and Akamai was really expensive and all that stuff was getting worked out. And one of the interesting problems that wasn't obvious, I think, is there was about 700 different metadata schema, schemas that all these platforms that came online globally decided. They just, everybody built their own. And then all of a sudden, of course, that becomes really, really challenging for large content providers to, to play into. Because they produce their product, you know, and then they got to put it out into the world into this distribution ecosystem. And it's similar in the learning space, right? You're trying to put it out and find uniformity of, 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 amongst how people observe or consume that. But when there's, in that case, you know, literally hundreds of different st standards for that, it was a nightmare. It made it nearly impossible to to deliver um, because there were so many flavors of, of of how the other end caught that, and so over time and it was about i would say probably about 24 months 24 to 36 months back then um there's a whole range of solutions as to how people kind of um got their content to conform to those different things but eventually it normalized and it, and it came to kind of a subset of a lot of those standards and there was also some business um logic and metadata translate uh, you know translation kind of um, platforms that started to come up to help you know um, navigate the differences. And so at least I'm, I'm kind of in my head, I'm, I'm going, okay, this, this is, this is probably gonna, um, go a little bit that way, um, where there will be the, the million, you know, skills platforms, and then there'll be something that's, you know, probably more like 17,000 where people can start to agree on those. And then they, they start to normalize around those. And then, you know, from our standpoint, that's going to happen about the time that there's enough content in the ecosystem to where, okay, now we can look at that model. Let's focus on that model to broaden out from our, our, our smaller model. Um, and then you start to kind of like, you know, stair step the, the path to the whole more macro picture of, of kind of, you know, hooking up uh, a broad XR content ecosystem to, to that, to that skills model. So that's kind of the way, you know, a long, a long explanation of, of, the time horizon plus like some of the chapters that I just kind of see in front of us to help to sort that out. So let me, let me bounce you now into the shiny object, right? You're, <laughs> okay. you're focusing on 
BR or, or XR in soft skills. And what that, what that means is that you've got to have a capacity to build a simulated human being who will respond in ways that appear to be human. It just yep. hurts my brain to think about doing that. <laughs> tell, tell me how you orchestrate that and what, what does the process of improving it look like? Oh man, um, it's, I didn't even layer on as a little extra, you know, so that, so that's the first tier. And then you have to do that in a way in which you can um, hand that, that capability off to an ecosystem of creators, because the, the, the scale of content that you, that needs to be created is, is far greater than just our own expertise. So if you look at the, um, uh, one of the tools that we've, we've built, it's, um, it's a no code environment that allows other people to kind of create those um, simulations. And and um, and when I say other people, I'm not talking about developers and, and animators and machine learning experts. All the things that go into the backend technology. I'm just talking about you know business experts or learning and development professionals, like you know people that that can pick up a tool like that and create. So there's a couple different you know tiers of of challenge there. Um, you know the first is uh, is you know kind of. Initially, it was a very technical kind of just, you know, is this possible? Can can you deliver kind of emotional realism um, with a simulated character, right? Or a virtual human. Um, and that, that I, again, leaned on a bunch of entertainment backgrounds. So I'd done a ton of motion capture, done a ton of uh, performance pipelines and other things like that for bringing, you know, characters to life in, in media entertainment. And there was certain things that could come right across to help make that work um and once once we once we kind of first check the box on on yeah we can we can deliver emotional experience then it got into that second chapter like well how the heck do you scale this because this was really complex for us to do there's a lot of talent required to do that uh as a developer so then we started designing systems that could you know basically be behind the scenes like turn it in turn it into a you know you turn everything into a service a background service right and so there's an intelligent animation system that actually operates um, with emotion as it's kind of like, it's actually a, it's metadata driver. So, um, so as now that as a, as a, a user that's developing these scenarios, they no longer have to think in terms of, of 3D animation techniques and how do I get, how do I get, how do I get a character to emote the way I want? They just think in terms of emotion. Uh, and so, you know, there's things like that, that. There's lots of things like that, that we've done to kind of, you know, simplify and, and kind of kind of scale it. Um, not to say it's it's perfect by any means, and and, and it's also uh, got the limitation of 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 the hardware right now in terms of what it can render, what it compute. So there's, you know, again, like like everything else we talked about, there's a couple forces that that like work against you even when you get get things right. But um, but it's also pretty clear when a lot of those forces are. Um, are going to go away because there's a lot of innovation in this particular area that's happening in gaming and media and entertainment that then we can continue to draft off of. Um, so just this week, um, Unity, you know, just one of the game engines that a lot of the software is written in, um, they've acquired a company called Ziva Dynamics. And Ziva um, is basically using, you know, machine learning to build um, uh, the underlying muscle structure for uh characters 
that then actually reacts like we do. So it, it, it comes across as a very realistic expression. Uh, and it was born off of Life of Pi. So that tiger in Life of Pi, they had yes. to simulate that tiger yeah. and those muscles and how, how real that came to life. It's like, that's a big, that's a really hard challenge. How do you do that? And so now, fast forward, you know, whatever, 10 years later, they're putting it into the engine as something that anybody can ex- uh, have access to. And so now all of a sudden, you, you're going to see a lot of really emotive characters to where it doesn't look like animation anymore. It just looks like, it looks like video. It looks like it's if somebody performed it, you know? And so that type of technology and those horizons behind, like, you know, we're always kind of nav- navigating and negotiating, you know, w- with ourselves and our, and our tech roadmap, like when those capabilities can come, come through. So, um, yeah, this particular area, um, it's easier to see. There's some, there's some areas in terms of more of the hard skills stuff that's, that's, that's quite challenged. Like the challenges in that are, are becoming clearer as to when they'll, they'll, they'll get, they'll, they'll kind of clear themselves, but, you know, to kind of do the same scaled up approach to content in that area is, um, has got a lot of, of even more difficult challenges than these ones. So it's, um, it's a fun, it's a fun puzzle to, to solve. And again, I think, I think, I think some of it does come back to like, um, having this weird background, you know, where, you know, I mean, if you didn't have all those views and you hadn't been through some of those challenges in, in, in media entertainment, I don't know how the heck you'd, you'd start to solve some of this stuff. It'd be, it'd be, you know, especially if you came from just a purely learning, you know, from the learning ecosystem. Um, you know, that as I meet a lot of like the really, really talented people that are, that are working in this space for, you know, uh, the HR tech or the ed tech um, space for the last like 20 years. I mean, the challenges that we're taking on would be like trying to, you know, read a language from Mars, um, you know, for a lot of those those folks. So, so I guess I, I, I could take this a bunch of ways, so we need to do another one. Yes, I uh, think so. <laughs> to follow this. But, but from your chair, a lot of what seems like gee whiz HR technology to most of the people inside of the industry must look awful damn primitive. Um, um, and so that suggests to me that you have, um, some notions about the intersection of other kinds of technology with, with HR tech, because it looks to me like, like the, the thing we can take away from this conversation is that the future of HR tech doesn't have anything to do with the present of HR tech, but it has to do with, with crashing of other technologies into the space. I, I mean, it, I, I, I would say that's an accurate statement um, in terms of just like how, how, as I'm trying to, you know, wade into a new space and then and then figure out um, what are the pillars that have driven, you know, this space, um, and also coming from a, a perspective where um, I didn't have to live any of those things, right? So, like, you know, I've 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 had discussions where with certain major players who become hugely successful. And I asked, well, what's the underlying, what's the underlying thing that really drove your success to now do what you're doing? And and several times it's it's been things that are more compliance or regulatory based and things like that. And then all of a sudden that cements the learning ecosystem. And so what I've heard time and time again, I'm like, how there's a bunch of these things that have nothing to do with the end learner or their actual goals, but that's now putting the structures in place in these organizations. That that's how the structure got there, which is supposed to be delivering that. And so there's a real like 
it feels like there's a real mismatch with some of some of those things that got got us here, and 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 certainly some of them feel like they really lost sight of of what the real goal is um, at an individual level, um, and that's why you get really clunky user experiences or you get things that just you know just don't deliver on on um, they deliver for the org but they don't deliver for the individual, and so um, I've been trying to to really keep keep my eye on that like okay well, how do we flip that paradigm because at the end of the day this is about you know a you know a billion plus people that are going to go on a, a continuous uh, reinvention journey for the rest of their lives and we have to make that something that they're willing and actually excited about engaging in um and if you look at a lot of this other infrastructure and a lot of these platforms and a lot of technology that's in place that's supposed to serve that master it's like, wow, that is just awful. Like, no wonder nobody, no wonder it's. <laughs> no, one, no wonder it's there's daunting. no adoption of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so oh. I, I don't know, maybe that outsider view in this case also helped to reground re it, you know, like back to like, why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> what are we trying to do? Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm so sorry, gentlemen. We are at time. And, and Kyle, you've been so gracious to join us from Singapore. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. awfully early in the morning there. It is. It's, I've been starting early, so this wasn't too bad. But okay. it, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost seven a.m. So, well, let me just ask for closing comments from John. Oh, I got nothing more to add. This was a great conversation, and it Absolutely. sort of scratches the surface of what it takes to understand what the future is actually going to entail and it's delightful to it's hear somebody who can look down the road and see where things are going to happen and fall in place um which is a skill that you ought to build into your system <laughs> there you go that's the yeah, one, answer yeah <laughs> one last thing please please let everybody who's listening know how to get a hold of you yeah yeah, so um, you can find us online at uh, at just tailspin.com, and it's it's T A L E. So the kind of the origin of that was you know wading right into this this disruption fully and trying to figure out how to how to flip some of these negative forces for for good um, that you know that we're, we're all dealing with. Um, and uh, and then I'm on uh, Twitter at, at at KJ Planet. Ah, so those are two places easy to easy to find me. Fantastic. Great. Fantastic. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. This is The Work Podcast. John? Thank you, guys. A delight to, to co-host with you. Thanks, Gene. Thanks for letting me dominate the talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right.